morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. We welcome you to church. We know there's a lot of folks that are sick. Uh, we have, we'll have those requests here. A lot of the band and different people are out today. But we're here today, so we're going to worship the Lord. Be thankful that we're in His presence today. Let's sing this old hymn of the church, He Abides.
ushers would make their way this morning so we can take up this morning's tithes and offering today. Eternal Father, Lord, we thank you today for the presence of God, Lord, that we have felt this morning, even in rehearsals this morning. God, we thank you for the presence of God we felt in the Sunday school hour and the spirit of God we feel in this house today. Lord, I know today there are a lot of people that are not feeling well, they're under the weather and sick in body. But God, I know today, God, you're still a healer. You're still a redeemer. God, you're still a restorer of all that we have need of. Father, I pray the offering we're about to receive today, God, you bless the gift and the giver. Lord, bless those that don't have to give today. If there's someone here who can't give, I pray at some point in time, you bless them to be able to give. Father, every note that is played, song that is sung, message that is given, scripture that is read, to be for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people together said amen. amen. Let's this time greet one another in the Lord in our tithes and offerings. God bless you. Good morning. Now, we can all sit back and say, like, man, I don't feel good. My throat hurts. I got the sniffles. I got the whatever. May all be true. But you know what else is true? I got Jesus. Amen. And God's glory endures forever. So, before I go into the list of prayer requests... It's Psalm 104, verse 31 says, The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembled. He touches the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Now, 
starting Wednesday, I've got all this junk. Carol's got it. We're both coughing. Neither one of us have fever, by the way. Uh, and I just prayed the Lord. said, Lord, uh, we have things we got to do here at the church. And I'm just asking you to just give us the strength to get it done. Um, there are people that would go like, well, you know, I don't feel good. I'm not going to go to church today. Okay. Well, where do you expect to get better? The Lord's here. He's here right now. And you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that when you ask him to touch you, he's going to touch you right now. <laughs> I'm about ready to shout. Uh, my God liveth today, right now, in this place. Now, I'm not a preacher. I ain't never wanted to be a preacher. But I know that my God lives. I know he takes care of me, takes care of my family. He takes care of this church. He touches us when we don't feel bad, or we don't feel good, rather. And he lifts us up and strengthens us. Now, you can take the easy way and just stay home. You can watch us online, appreciate you being here. Or you can make the effort, if you just feel bad, you don't have fever, you're not going to pass around everybody, but you just, just don't feel good. Show up for church and let the Lord work with you and make you feel better. He will do that. Every time. We have prayer requests. Robert Garrett. He's in a severe accident, burned, facing surgery. Brenda Frierson's sister in the hospital. She's sick. Touch her and touch Brenda. Continue to be with her. Jennifer Wyatt got COVID. That's why she's not sitting in this chair right now. Sister Dale Clark's not feeling well. She's sick. Larry Wyatt had got called out to work. There's a whole bunch of folks battling this, whatever it is. And James Falk, let's continue to remember him in prayer. Are there any others who have a prayer request? There are requests in this church that don't often get mentioned. So if you've got an unspoken request, lift your hand right now. Let the Lord know about it. And let's go to the Lord in prayer, believing that he's answering prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name today, Lord, for answered prayer. Lord, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for watching over us and keeping us. And we thank you for what you will do. Touching, Lord, healing. Lord, providing strength and comfort. Lord, I pray that you will continue to lift us up and help us. Lord, be with us in the service today. Be with the music. Lord, I pray that you will continue to bless our voices that we can sing and make a joyful noise unto you. Be with our minister today as he delivers the word that we can use these words for thy glory in the coming week. Continue to abide with us and help us and lift us up and strengthen us, Lord, because your glory endureth forever. We do thank you and praise your holy name for all of this, Lord, and pray that you will continue to abide with us. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's go back into worship together. Brother Randy mentioned there's quite a few people on the worship team, praise team, as well as various leaders that are sick today. We also normally at this time would have a special singing. But Brother Jimmy and Sister Phyllis are sick today as well, so they had to uh, not be able to sing today. Uh, and uh, there's quite a list. And Sister, uh, Brother and Sister Bards aren't here today. He had a procedure uh, done and, he, and uh, he's feeling a little bit better but he doesn't have a car right now after his procedure his car messed up so he's without a ride and uh, so anyway there's just a lot of folks got a lot of stuff going on
but you know, we come to, to the house of the Lord today to worship the Lord. That's the goal today. We've come to worship the Lord. We're just going to sing that today. We made some adjustments to the music list last night uh, due to all the sickness. And uh, so we're just going to tell the Lord we've come to worship Him today. So let's, let's join together in worship.
Father, that is our prayer today, Lord, that we can trust you. God, we can trust your hand. We can trust the hand of God to lead, guide, and protect us. We can trust the hand of God to be our very present help in time of trouble. Father, today I am praying, God, that, Lord, I know that there are many people that are sick in body and they're not feeling their best today. God, there's many of us today, God, that it may have took an effort to get to church today. But, God, we are here, and so we want to spend this time with you. We want to, God, engage in a sacred moment, a solemn moment with you today. Father, I pray, God, that every man, woman, boy, or girl inside this building as well as watching online or that may be on another portion of this property and children's church or some kind of other ministry, God, that today would be a day that they would remember that they can trust in Jesus. And even when life doesn't seem to be going the way it's planned to go or sickness is in our body or we're stressed or we've got things that are bothering us in our heart that we still have a God that we can trust in. He's dependable. He's sustainable. And he's there as close as the mention of his name. And Father, I pray today, Lord, as we get ready to break the bread of life today, that God, you'd speak to the people of God from your word. Not my word, but your word be heard. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Luke, chapter number 9. The book of Luke, chapter number 9. As you're turning there, let me just say I forgot to give uh, Brother Randy a couple different prayer requests, but obviously continue to remember Brother Barnes as well as Brother Jimmy and countless others. Brother Larry and Sister Jennifer obviously are not on stage today. They are, uh, one's working and one is sick and uh, there's just a plethora of people battling this crud, sinus infections, cold allergies, etc. Uh, I've seen quite a few folks that are missing uh, from church today uh, due to, um, you know, other reasons. Um, I don't see um, uh, uh, Brother Christian here today. He must be under the weather as well and others that uh, we just, we want to make sure that we pray for our church people. A lot of people, Sister Dale has already mentioned, there's just a lot of people sick today. We want to make sure that we continue to pray for them. It is good to see Miss Cindy and them back. You remember last Sunday we talked about she was not able to be here due to a, an accident and some issues with a car uh, that was caused from the accident. And she was a little stove up, bruised up, but we're glad that her and, and uh, her family made it back to church today and uh, are safe and sound. And um, Cars can be replaced, but life cannot. And so we thank the Lord for his providential hand on them today. We started a series a couple of weeks ago, or last week in fact, uh, a series called Sealed. And we're going to be journeying through this uh, series for the next couple of weeks. And we're going to pick up part two of today, uh, of last week's message. I'm only going to read one verse of scripture and then we're going to jump right into the word of God uh, so that uh, we can get as much co ground covered today as we possibly can. In Luke chapter 9, it's the very last verse, it's, chapter, it's verse 62, it's the very last verse in this particular passage of scripture that Jesus is, you got to remember back then they didn't write in chapter and verse like we have it in our Bible. Back then it was just one continuous letter or one continuous free form. And over time, uh, King James and others, when they began to canonize the Bible, they kind of split it and spliced it. And, and, and so it would make more sense to read. So this would have been a part of just a, a larger volume of work. But if you have Bibles that have little headers over it. Some of you may have like little notes over different sections of Scripture. You may find that it'll say something like this. The cost of discipleship or something about discipleship. And we're going to talk briefly today. We're still talking about this idea of sealed. 
Uh, but we're going to talk today about what it means to, to, to be all in. We're going we're to finish up a message uh, from last week. But here's what Jesus said about discipleship. You know, they were asking him all kinds of questions about, you know, Lord, I'll come. I'll follow you. I'm with you. I'm dependable. And Jesus said, you know, foxes have holes and, and, and things, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And, and, and one said, well, God, just let me go back home and bury my father and my mother and bury the dead and all this stuff. And, Lord, I, I'll follow you then. And Jesus wasn't being rude, but he knew that was an excuse to not follow him. And, and another said, well, Lord, I'll, I'll follow you, but let me, lo- let me go back home and tell my mom and dad and my family goodbye. But can I tell you, Jesus knows your heart when no one else knows your heart. And there's a lot of people that will say things. Well, God, I'll... God, I'll get involved in that ministry. God, I'll get involved in that church. God, I'll get involved in the praise team. God, I'll get involved in the ushers or the greeters. God, I'll get involved. But first, let me. Jesus knows the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus understands. And Jesus finally said it this way. He made it. You know, I love how Jesus sometimes is just blunt. He just, you know, I'm tired of just beating around the bush, not asking questions. I'm just going to be frank with you. Jesus knew the heart. And this is what he said. He said, nobody putting their hand to his plow, and looking back, is fit for God's kingdom. That's about as blunt as you can make that statement. Because Jesus understood something. If I'm plowing a, 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 a herd or a yoke of oxen, and I'm on the back of the plow, and they're pulling it, and they're trying, we're trying to keep straight rows for planting season, if I'm more concerned about what's going on behind me, then paying attention to what's in front of me, I'm not going to be plowing a straight row. I'm going to be plowing a crooked row. The Bible said straight and narrow is the way that leads to life. Wide and crooked is the way that leads to destruction. What Jesus is saying is when I get on this journey of faith, I can't be worried about what the person on my left is doing. And I can't be concerned about what the person on my right is doing. And I certainly don't need to be looking in the rearview mirror seeing what everybody else behind me is doing. I need to focus on what's ahead of me and what lies ahead of me. That's where my focal point has to be. That's why Jesus said, look up, not look back. Look up because your redemption draweth. Now, we've got to focus on what's ahead. There's a reason your car has a large windshield and a small rearview mirror. Your intention is not to be paying attention to what's behind you. It's to watch what's in front of you. The reality of it is this, we have too many people living in this world, especially with the way this world is and the economy and things like that. we got too many people concerned about what everything else is going on around them rather than focusing on what's in front of them. And I came by to tell somebody today that we are a blessed people. Is there a lot of people sick today? Yes, there are. Is there a lot of people not here today? Yes, there are. Is there a lot of people that wish they could trade places with you? Yes, there are. But you are here and I am here. And Jesus said, of two or three or any degree touching any one thing, I am in the midst. There's more than three of us in this building. We have a right to give God praise. We have a right to be in church today. We're here. We're not in a hospital. We're not on a gurney. We're not battling COVID. We're in the house of the Lord. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In this place, let's pray together. Eternal Father, Father, I feel your presence in this house today. I'm asking you today to help me decree and declare the word of the Lord. Father, let your spirit resonate and make habitation in this house today. Father, we could be anywhere else and there's plenty of people that would trade places with us. But this is your house and we are in your house. So come down and make habitation with us today. Father, I pray you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Let me decree and declare your words, not my words to be spoken, but your word to be heard. God, let us now be hearers of the word only, but doers thereof likewise. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit and all God's people together said amen. 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 You may be seated if you can today. I started a sermon last week that we're going to pick up part two called Seals of Approval. Seals of Approval. I took this sermon off of a book called The Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell who gave some insights into one of the world's deadliest seal, if you will, encounter or deadliest seal mission that happened during the Afghanistan war. And he wrote about his book about the, the, the things that Navy SEALs have to go through, the proper training and things they have to, some of the grueling tasks they are prepared for. And, and we talked about that, that SEALs had to be steadfast, they had to be dependable. You can't have a, a wishy-washy mind to be a Navy SEAL. But can I tell you, that's what God wants us to be. He doesn't want us going to the left or to the right like the seaweed on the bottom of the ocean. He wants us to be steadfast and sure, immovable for the things of God. We talked about last week that... That seals also have to endure. They have to do some of the things nobody else is willing to do. They're some of the most elite fighting forces. They go in places no one else wants to go. They go do things no one else wants to do because they have to endure. They have to go through underwater missions and hold their breath. They are pushed in training to the very inch of their very life so they understand if they're captured or anything like that, what it means to be in that moment. They endure a lot to survive. Can I tell you on this journey of faith that there is going to be times that the enemy is going to come against your soul and you're going to have to endure. But Jesus said, he who endures until the end, so shall he be saved. And we talked about how people like Job had to endure a lot. But at the end, God said that Job, you were righteous all the way until the end and gave him twice as much as he had before. Can I tell you that you may walk through hell and high water, but even when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard up against him. It doesn't matter where you're going through. doesn't matter where what your health may be going through or you're battling. doesn't matter what's happening in your family. doesn't matter what's happening with your kids, your grandkids. It doesn't matter what's happening in your church. If God be for you, who can be against you? We may have to endure. Weeping endureth for the night. But joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes we have to endure. But by enduring, we will see God save and deliver and heal on the other side of that season. So we talked about endurance. We steadfast, that's the S. Endure is the E. So here's the A. A Navy SEAL has to be all in. There's no going back. You can't decide to be one and decide to quit. If you decide to quit, there's no going back to try again. It's a one shot. You get one chance. They have what they call a DOR. Drop on request. That literally means when it gets to the point you can't take any more. You simply take your helmet off, you walk to the main office, and there's a bell that's in the main hall, in the main office. You lay your helmet on the table, and you ring the bell to, to let the superior officers know, I quit. I'm done. Now, they'll let you go back no matter what level you were in your previous military ranking. You'll go right back to your military ranking that you were before being a SEAL. But once you lay that helmet on a table, and you ring that bell... There's no going back. There is no Brother James the next day going back and thinking, you know what, I think I could have done it. And walking back into that CEO's office and saying, you know what, I changed my mind. No, no, there's no going back. You've already DOR'd. You've already said, I'm done. Because the SEAL's mentality is, if you ever think about quitting, you can't be a SEAL because you'll end up quitting. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. If you ever lay that helmet down and you ring the bell and say, I quit, done 
There are too many people that have been saved, spirit-filled, walked in God, walked with God, but the cares of life have got to them. The enemy of their soul has got to them. They've, the enemy has attacked their family, attacked their jobs, attacked their health. And there's a lot of people that used to be saved and used to love Jesus and used to serve Jesus with everything they had. But they have, over the years, decided they can't take it anymore. And they took off their helmet of salvation. And they took off their breastplate of righteousness. And they took off the sword of the spirit. And they laid down the shield of faith. And they took off the shoes shod with the gospel of peace. And they have forgotten what it means to hold their pants up with the belts of truth. And they've laid their helmet of salvation down. And to the enemy they've acquiesced to culture. They've acquiesced to the government. They've acquiesced to the things of this world. And they've rang the bell of cultural relevance. They've rang the bell of submission to the world. They've said you know what I don't know if you were designed to be a boy or a girl. Be whatever you want to be. They rang the bell. I don't care if it's a men's bathroom or a women's bathroom. They rang the bell. I don't care if you're nine years old. If your mommy wants you to go through gender reconstructive surgery, you don't get a vote. Mommy can make that decision for you and change your life before you even have the ability to figure out your life. They've rang that bell. Now they're telling us there's not even binary. There's no such thing as just a male and a female. There's things called non-binary. You're not male or female. You're just there. We don't even know what there is. But they've rang the bell of actual acquiescence to that they tell us now that we've got to put kitty litter in the back of classrooms because you can identify not as human you can identify as inanimate objects you can identify as animals you can identify as different different things that are not uh, human and they've rang the bell they've taken prayer out of school they rang the bell they're trying to get us to agree they tried to get us to agree and finally we're able to push homosexuality in marriage they rang the bell they've tried every way they can and the church over the years has took off the helmet of salvation and we've rang the bell we said well we don't want to get into the, we don't want to cause division for God's not the author of division well that's funny the Bible does say he's not the author of confusion and division but Jesus also said he come with the sword to divide parent from child he also come his house shall be called a house of prayer Jesus may not have liked confrontation but he went to church one Sunday and he flipped over money changers tables and took a bull whip and drove them out he said because my house is not Walmart it's not Hess gas station it's not a coffee bar it's not a donut shop it's not just a social club or a, a disco ball for you to come to my house is a house of prayer as for me and my house we will serve the Lord look I'm not judging you if you put LED lights on the back wall I'm not judging you if you black out the lights but if you don't preach Jesus and you don't lift him up and you acquiesce to well we don't want to preach on sin because somebody may be offended well then you're already messing up right there I don't care what your background looks like I don't care what lights you hang in the building but you better preach Jesus you better preach he's the only only way to heaven no you cannot have you can't have inappropriate relationships before you get married you can't just socially drink and expect that God's going to approve that you can't just be hot toddy for the Lord you've got to make sure that you live right you walk right you talk right you dress right you live right you have to be all in or not Jesus said that if you're lukewarm you're neither hot nor cold but you ride the fence back and forth back and forth he said it makes me nauseous to my stomach and I want to throw up and spew you out your mouth God said I'd rather you be so against me or so on fire for me than on Sunday act like you love me but on Monday through Saturday you live like you hate me you've got to decide as a church we've got to decide as a nation we've got to decide as a universal body of believers that either we're all in for Jesus as for us and our house we'll serve the Lord or get out of this thing but this playing both sides of the fence is not acceptable for the kingdom of God it's just not acceptable it's while we're in or not. There's no going back. 
Jesus said, if you decide that everything else behind you is more important than what's in front of you, you're not fit for the kingdom. I didn't write the book. I'm sorry if it, it sounds offensive or hurtful. I didn't write the book. I have to preach the book, but I, don't, I didn't get a vote in writing the book. Can I tell you, God did not call me up when he was pinning his words and he was inspiring through the, the writings of Apostle uh, 1 Timothy. And 2 Timothy tells us it was under the verbal inspiration of God moved upon men. God did not call me and ask me what my opinion was before he gave his word. Hello. I'm feeling real good. I don't even feel sick. I'm feeling good right now. Still haven't sent the text. Pray yet. Let's be ready. The reality of it is, God did not ask me what I like or don't like about His Word. God did not call me up one day and say, Hey, Jonathan, I'm thinking about writing this particular verse. You okay with it? Or, or is that one you don't really like? He didn't ask me that. God, Brother Wayne's never called me and said, You know what, Jonathan, on second thought, I know I wrote that verse, but if it don't really move you, it don't. If it don't really, something you like, you don't have to follow it. It, it. It's okay. You can just take that piece out. I wanted to one time, I wouldn't do this, but I've thought about this. I wanted to take a survey on social media because if you really want to know the true heart of people, just get on Facebook and type a post and everybody will reply. So I wanted to write a post one time and just put it this way. If there is a verse in the Bible that you just don't like or just doesn't sit well with you or just don't understand and it just it bothers you and you wish that you could remove one verse, just tell me what it is. And I want to see how many response I could get. And what I wanted to do, Brother Randy, is I wanted to get a pair of scissors. And I wanted everyone that wrote that, I wanted to go to that particular page of my Bible and cut it out. And I wanted to do that for about a week and I wanted to see how many pages I still have left in my word. Because the reality of it is... There's a lot of people, they'll take parts of the Bible. They don't take the whole Bible rightly divided, the inspired word of God. They li- everybody likes the God blesses. Everybody likes God will redeem the time. Everybody likes that God will restore the year that the canker worm and the lotus were in. God, we all like those. God, we like the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes of those at harvest. We like those. We like that God will press it down and shake it together and my vats will run over. I mean, I'll just be a millionaire. We like that. We don't like don't commit adultery. We don't like that. We don't like don't lie. We don't like that. We don't like don't bear false witness against people. We don't like that. We don't like don't have an attitude with other people and slander them across town. We don't like that. We don't like holiness is still God's standard for living when it says, I am, be, be ye holy, says the Lord, for I am holy. We don't like holy. We don't like preaching holiness. That gets a little too touch and go for the church people. We don't like parts of the Bible that tells us that we have a level of accountability and responsibility on this thing called life. See, what we do as we, we read the word and we like, oh, well, I like that. God before me, who can be against me? I like that's a good word. We don't like it when Jesus says things like, if they persecute you, turn and give them the other cheek and let them hit you again. We don't like that part. We want the scripture, if they persecute you, shoot them. That's what we want. Brother Randy taught me a long time ago, if you're going to shoot two shots, center mass, game over. It doesn't, it just, the game is over. There is no debate. We talked about that one time. He said, you know, one way to end the debate. And I said, what? He said, if they break into your house and you, you, they come into your house, you put two shots, center mass, guess what? It's your word versus theirs and they won't be talking. So who's going to tell what really happened? I thought that could be applied spiritually. We, we would love for Jesus to eradicate our enemies. 
Take away all our problems. Only problem is, Jesus said, pray for those that despitefully use you. We don't like that. We don't want to pray for the ones that hurt us. We want to kill them. <laughs> okay, I'm the only one not saved. That's fine. I want to sometimes take them out. I'm sorry y'all are all saved. I'm struggling with that one, okay? I struggle with that sometimes. They hurt me. I'm not always feeling like, oh, God bless you. Come to the altar and let me pray for you today. I, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but you ain't going to want what I have to say. Lord, strike them dead right here. Drop them like a tar mac right here. Just pew, gone. There's a reason God does not let me be God. Because there'd be a lot less people. Because I would have the spirit of zapping. Why? Because we don't like when we're hurt. Hurting people hurt people. We don't like to hear things like, if they strike you on one cheek, turn to them the other. We don't like, see, some of us want to be like Peter. We want to bear swords and slash off ears. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I got to forgive somebody after they've done so much to me? When is enough? Jesus, when is enough I get to be an Italian mafia member and I get to take him out? How long do I have to keep doing this? You know what Jesus' response was? 70 times 7, 490 times. You say, oh, so I keep an Excel spreadsheet of 490 times? No, no, no. What Jesus was saying is before you get to 490, guess what you'll do? Lose count. Anybody sitting up there with an Excel spreadsheet? Well, I gave Parker 398. He's getting close to that 490. He better slow it down. No. Jesus' point was, while it's a mathematical equation, what Jesus was saying is there is no numerical. Now, I'm going to pull out my spiritual bazooka gun to you today, but how many times has Jesus had to, say, had to forgive you for something? What if he kept records? What if he said, well, you know, you're getting close to that 30 mark. You're getting close to that 490. Ooh. Wendell, you're getting close to 490. You only got about two shots left, and then I'm taking you out, buddy. You're done. We wouldn't like Jesus to be that kind of God. Aren't we supposed to be like Christ? That's what a Christian is, Christ-likeness. See, the reality of it is, when we make a decision to serve Jesus Christ, we have to make a decision. If we're all in, partially in, we have to make a decision. It weeds out the weak versus the strong. It's a commitment at all cost. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 31 Verse 6 says this, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. I love that when God gets involved, he's all in, not partially. God doesn't just partially come in and go, yeah, I'll help you for about 10 minutes and then I got other things to do. I don't know. I love it. You know, I, I made this analogy the other week and, I, and I'll, I'll use it again here for, for time's sake. I'll use it again. It fits. I don't want you to raise your hand just in case the person is in the room that you are raising your hand about. But have you ever had somebody tell you, hey, man, if you need anything, give me a call? You know, hey, yeah, you know, I got to move, I got to pack up, I got to do this. You know, hey, if you ever need something, you ever need something, give me a call. And it might be weeks, months down the years, and you remember that, and you're like, oh, you know what? We got to pack the U-Haul up. We're move, relocating to Virginia, and we need a couple extra guys' hands. And they remember you said not too long ago, hey, if you ever need anything, give me a call. You ever met the person when you call in for that call? They're unavailable. If they do answer, it's, oh, well, I would, but, you know, you know, I'd love to help you, but I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I hadn't even told you what day we're doing it yet. What day are you busy? I literally say that some one time. I say, hey, are you available to help me move something from my house? I, you know, I would, but, man, I'm busy that day. I was like, I never even told you the day yet. You just guessed the day. They already, they already told me the answer, obviously. 
Or you say, hey, well, Saturday we're moving stuff. Can you help me? No, nah, I can't. And you go, well, you know, some of us are going to come on Friday night. Are you available? Oh, you know, I got something planned Friday night too. Nobody's ever had these people? Okay, all right. I'm the only person that people snow job like that. All right, this is great. I'm going to go on this ledge, stand on a limb, and it break while I'm standing here. You call up, or if you're like some of my friends in the past, they know what you're calling for. Guess what they don't do? Answer the phone. They'll answer the phone. You can send them a, you can send them a text message, and before the icon on your iPhone turns to blue to let them know it's sent, they've already replied back to the message. You're like, how old are you sitting there on your phone? Then you call them 30 seconds later, and they don't have their phone. What a shocker. Nobody else has had this before. I feel like I'm all alone up here today. I'm the only one this has happened to. What I love about Jesus, though, is when I call, he doesn't go on silent mode. When I say Jesus, he doesn't go, oh, shoot, I can't answer that call today. <laughs> they must be calling in for a favor. I'm glad when I call on Jesus, he's committed. When he says, call on me, cast your cares upon me, for I care you call upon me and I will draw near you. I'm glad when I call, he's not unavailable. But he said, oh, hold on, hold angels. I know y'all singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And you guys sound beautiful. But you're created to do that and you don't really get a vote. You got to keep doing it or you're fired. You know, you're like Donald Trump, you're fired. You're just, you're done. But when I call that prayer bell of heaven, when I call that royal temple and I'm in my prayer closet and I call, he tells angels, shh, sounds beautiful, but I, I got to take this call. God never says, Mute. Not talking to you today. Now, he may not always give me the answer on the other end of the line I want. But he always picks up the phone. My son is calling. My daughter is calling. One of the things we have is the Bible says we become heirs and joint heirs, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Imagine if your kids and your grandkids lived another state away. I could call you. And you might ignore the call, but as soon as that grandbaby or that child from two states over calls, it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a funeral, you will excuse yourself because you're going to answer the phone because the grandbaby or the baby or your son or your daughter is calling. You can be on the phone with somebody and you can look at your caller ID and see that it's your child or grandchild calling. And you'll say to the person on the line, hey, I'll have to call you back. i got to take this. They don't know who you're talking to, but somebody else more important got on the line. What I love about Jesus is he's got all of heaven singing around his throne. But when you and I say, God, Jesus, Lord, when we mention his name, he says, I got to take this call. I got to take this call. And he answers the call. He may not always say yes to what I'm asking. He may not always say no. He may say wait, but he doesn't not answer. He always hears me when I if God is willing to be all in, who am I to say I'm not willing to be all in for him? You see, God understood the value of companionship. In fact, he said, let us make man our own image. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Let's, let's make him a suitable helpmate. I've thought about this, that Navy SEALs, instructors, they know that if DOR gets in that man's head, he's not a SEAL. They know that if the thought of dropping on request of quitting enters, it's over. I thought about that. What if people had that same understanding spiritually? What if they were willing to say, it does not matter. I will not quit. No matter how bad this gets, I will not quit. 
What do you mean, preacher? You see, the battle of your eternal salvation and the momentum of the battle of your life swings heavily in the enemy's favor when you start questioning the marching orders from the Lord. What if, I wonder if, and I wonder how many failed marriages could have been, presented, could have been prevented if the couple that entered into a covenant agreement had the understanding of if the thought of leaving, if the thought of adultery, if the thought of pornography, if the thought of divorce is ever an option in my mind, then I'm not truly their husband or their wife. What if we went into covenant relationships, business transactions with the thought process of, listen, I'm in this thing to the end. I may not always like what you do. I may not always like what you say. But I, if I make this commitment, I'm in it to the end. The Bible tells us God said it's better to not make a covenant with him than to make one and break it. And I believe it's the same way with the decisions we make in our lives. You get married, you don't have to like them. I don't, my wife does not always like me. I know she's behind this wall listening to me somewhere. Back here with all your little children. I know this is a shocker to believe, but my wife does not always think I'm the coolest thing in the world. She just doesn't. I can sometimes annoy her. Shocker. I can sometimes embarrass her. Like Friday. Shocker. But you know what? There are days, I'll be frank, she don't always make me feel happy either. Like I'm OCD, slightly. Not diagnosed, but I'm borderline. Like I'm funny about my hair. You cannot touch my hair until after 9 p.m. Because I hope after 9 p.m. I'm only going out for emergency purposes. If you touch my hair before 9 p.m., I will chop your hand off. I don't care. Don't mess with my hair. I've been that way since I was like six. Don't mess with my hair. I am, listen, I, you guys that wear the blazers that have like different colored pants at the bottom and then the sports jacket up top and a white shirt or whatever and a tie, for people like me that's OCD, you drive me nuts. Just want to let y'all know, it bothers me. When I come in, I need my pants to match my jacket. It just, I can't, I can't do the, I mean, my dad, when he passed, he used to sometimes come with navy blue sports coat and different pants and shirt and tie on Sunday morning. I'm thinking, why? Why? You have full suits that match. They come together. Like that stuff bogs me, right? So I'm a little, I'm a little crazy about that stuff. My wife works night shift. I never had to work night shift. Don't understand the concept of night shift. So my wife eats her dinner on the way to work. She gets in her car. She drives to work. She eats her dinner on the way to work. I'm normally home when she leaves, and normally when she comes in in the morning, I'm headed out the door to take Micah to school or whatever. My wife, uh, she, when she gets down on her dinner plate, she sticks it behind her seat, right behind her, and, and goes on to work. About 38% of the time, she remembers it the next day to take it out. You do the math, how many percentage of the time it doesn't get taken out of the car. So the other day, my car, the alternator went... Just like that, just done. So I had to drive her old trusty, rusty Jeep. My brother-in-law is here today. He will vouch for this. That's a piece of junk. That's just a piece of, I mean, it, I, it gets the wheels, but that thing is, it's a wing and a prayer. Sometimes it cranks. Sometimes it doesn't. It just hopes you get there. And I was driving, so I come up. Now, I haven't driven this car in like, we haven't driven this car in like over two months, ever since she got the, uh, the, the SUV that she drives now. So I thought, being a good husband, not wanting to be in the cesspool of mold. I was going to clean out the Jeep because it's been sitting outside for a long time. I'm cleaning out the car, cleaning out the car, cleaning out the car. I found forks that I've been missing for months that had fell in the seat. Now for her, I went inside and said, Brianna, 
where, where does fork come from? Drive me nuts. She goes, whoopsie, I must have forgot to get that one out last time. You haven't driven the car in like two and a half months. It drives me nuts, right? I don't, and I'm like, how do you forget a fork? See, there are things in life, you're not going to always like what people do. You're not always going to agree. She can't stand that I round my gas to the nearest dollar. I cannot leave my gas at like $49.67. Whenever that handle clicks for her, she takes it out the handle. Not me. I will spill gas on the concrete. And I will, I will water the flowers. But it's going to go to $49. i am telling you, we ain't paying no $0.67. Cents. I'm, I'm going to have an even dollar. And if I happen to get to $49.01, y'all think I'm kidding? I'll pump gas on the ground and get it to $0.50 because it's all, at least halfway to the next dollar. I'm not leaving it on some piece, some one cent or $0.15. Cent. Drives her nuts, right? But when I stood in front of an altar in 2022 March, and we stood there together, you know what I said to her and I said to the minister and I said to the 100 people that were in there? I'll be committed to you when you're rich. But I'll be con- with you when you're dirt poor. I'll be with you when you got all the help that's going in your favor and you're still looking like your project runway. And I'll be with you when you're sick and you are miserable and you don't feel like getting up out of the bed. I'll be with you when you remember to take the fork out of the Jeep. And I won't leave you when I find the fork two months later in the Jeep. I'll be with you when you hang up all your clothes that I just washed. I'll be with you when I don't know which pile in the floor is the clean versus the dirty ones. I'll be I'll be with you when you remember to put your shoes at the back door versus leaving them in the center of the den floor eating ice cream at 2 a.m. in the morning watching football. But the reality is we made a commitment to God that no matter what, we're all in this thing. That's the same way it needs to be spiritually. God, I'm not always going to like what you say, but I won't quit on you when I don't like what you say. We are all in. Isn't that what the Hebrew boys were? Didn't they? You talk about all in. Bow now, get burned. That's a pretty big ultimatum. Either, Brother James, you trust the God that you keep telling me about, or I throw you in the fiery furnace and watch you incinerate to death. Where's your faith now? You know what those boys said? I love their tenacity. They didn't even bat an eye. They weren't like, can we have 30 minutes to discuss this together and come back to you with an answer? No, no. They didn't bat an eye. They said, we already know the answer. This is a foolish question. We already know the answer to this question. We'll answer you right now. We will not bow. We will not acquiesce. If God chooses not to save us, so be it. But we know 100% that if he chooses to, he will. And you know what? We'll take that chance. That is all in. You are facing death and there's no going back. And you look at the king that is holding your life in the balance. And you say, you know what? We won't quit. That's what the enemy, the Bible says the thief comes to kill, steal. The enemy of your soul comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When Satan in the face and says, hey, either you quit or I take you out. And you can say, the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is an all-in moment. But when you go all-in with God, God goes all-in with you. Because three of them went in, but four of them were in the fire. 
Somebody was already in the fire before the three of them ever got on the board, on fire. Can I tell you that even when hell is fire and fury of hell is coming your way and you see it and the enemy says, all right, I'm, I'm going to make your life seven times hotter. I'm going to make your life seven times more like hell. It's going to be bad. And he throws you, the enemy throws every assault he's got. What he doesn't always realize, somebody's already in the fire before you got there. So when you go thrown into the blaze, there's a fourth man in the fire already saying, Hey, I've been waiting on you to get here. How you doing? We're good. He calls them out. He says, I, I thought we put three in there. There's four. And he calls them out. And this is the amazing part to me. Their shoes aren't burnt. Their clothes aren't tattered. There's not even a stench or a singed hair on their head. I thought, that's my kind of men. The Bible made it clear that even their hair still looked good. That means God cares about my hair. That speaks to my heart. He knows the number of hairs and he won't let them get burnt off. They, they literally, the same way they walked in, they looked when they walked out of the fire. Because they were committed to be all in. I read a story one time of Julius Caesar. He was trying to do his conquest. He brought his men to an island, he got them, he docked the boats and he docked them on the island. He had them all get off and they started marching. And he stopped them at the top of the hill and he said, Hey, you gentlemen, before we go, I want you to go to the edge of the cliff and I want you to just see the, the horizon, the landscape around you. And when they went to the edge of the cliff, they saw that all of their ships were in, on a blaze of glory. They, they, Julius Caesar had ordered for all the ships to be burnt to the ground. There was no, you know what he told his men? There's no going back we have to keep going forward we can't get off this island we it was it was a, an all-in moment I remember when I, I'm a South Carolina Gamecock by, by heart by, by my heart bleeds garnet and black it just does I'm sorry if you bleed orange and purple or any other color you're just wrong but I bleed garnet and black but I remember I have a utmost respect for the Clemson coach because a couple years ago probably about 10 years ago give or take I don't remember exactly the date Everybody has their little nomenclature. For South Carolina, our big thing is we tell all our new recruits, welcome home. That's our big thing. It's hashtagged everywhere. New recruit, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Everybody has their little you know, hashtag. Davo Sweeney, the coach of the Clemson football team, who is, by the way, a believer and a Christian, he said this. His hashtag is not welcome home. His hashtag is all in. And he doesn't mean just in football. He tells him, when you walk into my program, you got to be committed not only to this football team, but you got to be committed to be men, good men. If you don't meet the rules, he kicks you off the team. i got respect for that. Dabo Sweeney is one of the few coaches that has every year, every year at his practice, an opportunity for baptism on the football field. Where he will allow the students over the years, whether it's in spring or whether it's in the fall time of the year, whenever, that if they make a profession of faith, he will, in front of the football team, bring a portable baptism out in the center of the football field so the football team sees them profess their faith in front of them. He doesn't let them go do it at their home church, hidden so that the quarterback does it. He makes them do it in front of everybody because he said, if you're going to serve Jesus, you're going to be all in. we got to be all in for Jesus. And I'm going to finish with this, and then I'm closing. The last one, you, SEALs is four letters, S-E-A-L, steadfast, enduring, all in. But you know how you finally get God's seal of approval? The L is the most important part. If you take the L off the word SEAL, you know what you get? C, that's two different things, two different things. That L is the one letter that puts this thing together. A C 
and a seal are two drastically different things. That L plays a big role. In this journey of faith, you need to be steadfast, you need to be enduring, you need to be all in, but you also have to know how to love people. Love keeps the whole thing together. That is the glue that helps it from unraveling. The Bible says this. When it described the character of God, it didn't say God is loving. 1 John 4, 8, it described the very essence of who God is. It says God is love. It is the very DNA structure. And the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let us make man in our own image. God, if God is love, guess what you're supposed to be? Love. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I've been to a lot of churches. Met a lot of church people. And I went out to lunch to Gilligan's and Slim Chickens and wherever you want to go with church people. Shoney's. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. They've, they've been out of business for eternity. But I used to go at Shoney's. Get strawberry pie, hot fudge sundaes with ice cream sandwich in the middle of it. Look, that was back when Moses was still here. But I remember those days going after church. We didn't have, we went to Wendy's. I, I'm not kidding. As a kid, we went to Wendy's so much that the lady at the Wendy's, actually, her name was Marge. And she knew us as the Wendy, she knew us as the chili family because we came in every Wednesday night after church, we would get chili together. And so she would have three chilies with hot sauce and saltine crackers way before we even ordered. It was already sitting on the thing because she saw us pull in the parking lot. Am I telling the truth? That's what happened. It's legit. We were the chili family. We'd go to Shoney's, and they would already have our drinks at the table. They knew what we wanted. We'd walk in, and people were like, well, who the hell makes you special? We are special. They know us. <laughs> they also, we've paid their 401K for the last six years. <laughs> we should get a glass of tea. There are millionaires off of us right now. I went in one time in a Shoney's, and it was on Sunday night. I played the piano at our church, my home church. We all went to church after Sunday night at the Shoney's. Kind of like a ritual. In fact, Miss Glenda's sister used to be the manager up there. We'd, we'd see Miss Pat all the time in there. And oftentimes, Brother Primo, there'd be other churches that would come. Not with us, but just, you know, it was like, like the church restaurant. One night we were sitting in a different section. A food truck hadn't come in that week, just some issues. So we ordered, ordered onion rings. We don't have those. Big potato. We, we don't have those. Whole list was endless, and they finally one person at our table said, "All right, just to help us out, just tell us what you do have, and we'll start from there." Because we've read three quarters of this menu of what you don't have. Not being rude, just kind of like, just tell us you only got French fries. We'll just order. Just tell us what you got, and just we'll speed this process up. There was another church group sitting over across the way. I knew some of those people just from acquaintances, not friends, but acquaintances. They gave her teetotal grief all night. I mean, rude, belligerent. When it came time to end that night and to leave the restaurant, we're all doing our tips or whatever else. I forgot how it got started up. But anyway, conversation got started up with the waitress. And we were just talking about something. And I don't know how I got up on church and church people. She saw we were dressed, whatever. And there's tears that rolled up in her face. And she said, you know who I hate serving the most? Church people. She said, they're the most rudest, disgruntled people Supposed, this is her words. They're supposed to profess the love of God. But if that's how God loves, I don't want him. You know what we did? We went and paid the bill. We paid more, I think, in the tip than we did in the bill. <laughs> because in her mind, what she equated as God, as love, was a sham. A total sham. 
God loves the sinner. He, the Bible says he's married to the backslider. God loves people that even don't love him. You may not always like people, but you got to love people. I don't necessarily go hang out with a bunch of drunk people, prostitutes, and go down to the red light district and try to start a Bible study in the middle of 3 a.m. But I care about their soul. I love them. I have a desire for see God save them. You have to love them. You see, you have to understand that of the fruits of the Spirit, it makes the top. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It makes the top ones. It didn't get buried at number nine. It got top chair. When the Apostle Paul wrote his 1 Corinthians chapter 30, Miss Carol, make your way. It means nothing, but they feel better. When 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes a whole chapter. You know what the whole chapter centers on? Not faith. Love. It's literally called the love chapter. In fact, we use it just about at every wedding. Even if the people getting married don't love each other, we want them to know what love is. We go through the whole thing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrong. It's not easily puffed up. We go through the whole nine yards. Love, 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 love. God is love. It gets to the very end. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Paul left nothing to the imagination. But the greatest, if you could have one attribute of God more than anything else, if anything, the top three, faith, hope, if you could have just one and get it right, there's only one you need to get. Anybody remember what it was? Love. Love. I gave you a Bible story character for each person. Last week I gave you... Uh, the three Hebrew boys uh, or today I gave three Hebrew boys being all in last week I gave you Job of enduring and steadfast I gave you Daniel praying when against all odds I try to think of a, a Bible character to kind of finish up the sermons of this particular part of the sermon series and you know what it's shocking but Sister Patricia I couldn't find a better candidate in the Bible for this one than Jesus himself himself in fact the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus he said this that he wanted them to understand the width breadth, the depth, the height of the love of God. In February, it's a time period, just about every church that saved sings the love of God. How rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It's like the one time a year you get away singing love songs to Jesus. Love. Love. I mean, it doesn't, it, doesn't it take love for somebody to give up their life for people they know is going to say no? That's loving. Jesus literally described himself like this. He said, no greater love can any man show than one who's willing to lay down his life for other people. Just giving up himself for somebody else. That was his call. Jesus knew 100% not everybody would love him, but he loved everybody. Jesus was the one that said, if 99 are safe in the fold, but one of them just gets off track and gets lost, I'll leave 99 people and I'll search high and low, hell or high water in the middle of the night. I'm going to find that one. I'm going for that one. Because I love them. No sheep is going to get left behind. I love them. Look, you do realize when you go out in public some, sometimes, the people you do day-to-day business and life with, the only Bible they ever read is your life. You are their Bible. You literally are their walking Bible. I'm telling you right now, and then I'm going to pray, or open up this time for prayer. I'm telling you right now, I can go and take a survey how many people read the New King James, King James on a day-to-day basis? And I'd start asking people. I'm probably going to get, you know, I could ask, I mean, use your Bible app on your phone versus a hard copy. Whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people, they ain't reading the real Word of God. But the way you live your life, they're watching 
you are the walking Bible to them. That lady at the restaurant, I don't know if she ever read the Bible, but she knew if the God, if the church people say God is loving, and if that's the kind of love God shows, she knew one thing about God. She didn't want him just by watching somebody else live their life. May it never be said the way I live my life gives a bad representation of who Jesus Christ is. Never, Lord, let me never defamate, defame or cause any kind of harm to who you are. You see, quitting should never be our emergency plan. We should stay in church, lift up our hands in worship, give in tithes and offerings, serve with all we have, have a made up mind. It is time that we go to battle. It is time for the all, the God's, the all of God's saints, the elite fighting force, the spiritual seals. We want the seal of God's approval. It's time to tighten up the bootstraps, lace up the boots a little tighter, put on the chin strap, straighten the uniform, and go to war. Look, I'm telling you right now, your children, your grandchildren, you're the best chance they got at surviving this thing in life. It's not time to acquiesce and cower down to the governmental demands or anything else. I'm not telling you to be insubordinate. Romans 13 tells us to submit to the governing rulers. But if it's against God's word, you don't have to follow it. God ain't going to hold you accountable to live in sin. You want your kids saved. You want your children to grow up knowing what's right and wrong. You want them to have morality and convictions and truth. You better, instead of taking your helmet of salvation off and ringing the bell, you better adjust the chin strap and put it all tighter. You better, instead of taking the shoes off and sitting back propped up with your feet, you better lace up the boots a little bit tighter, pull them tight, and lace them up. You better look at your spiritual uniform and adjust it so that you're staying ready and attention and your suit's pressed and all your awards are, are perfectly in line. You better adjust the uniform and stand up and be ready to fight. Because the devil's going to fight. He won't quit. But we can't either. We've got to be steadfast. Immovable, always abounding in the Word. We've got to endure to the end to be saved. We've got to be all in, never looking back. And even the ones that stress us out, the things that challenge us the most, we've got to be willing to love any and everyone. Whosoever will, let them come. That's what Jesus said. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question of the day. Two questions. Number one is this. Is there anybody in this house that says, Pastor, I'm not saved and I don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if I should die today, I would pick up separated in eternity from God. And I don't want to go to hell and be separated from God. And you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ. If that's you, you just slip up your hand. No one looking around. Just want to make sure that we give everybody the equal opportunity. Second question is this. Wonder how many people would say today, Pastor... I want to be a seal of God's approval. I want him to set me as a seal upon his heart and a seal upon his arm. I want to be a seal. Maybe not a Navy seal where I'm walking in, the, you know, and having to hold my breath underwater, but, but I'm going to be committed to Jesus. I'm all in. I'm steadfast. I'll endure. I don't care what happens. I'm going to endure. I'm going to be all in. I'm, I'm going, preacher. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay with him. I got it. I'm going to do it. I love people. I may not always get it right. I may make mistakes. I may fall. I may falter. I may struggle. But you know what? I'm all in. I'm, I'm in this thing. I'm going to do it, preacher. I'm going to ask you if that's you to stand wherever you are all over this house. Nobody else will look to stand where you are. Say, I'm in. I'm a seal. I'm going to be a seal for God. I'm a seal. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be sure. I'm going to endure. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to love you. I'm a seal. I'm going to tighten up the chin strap. I'm going to lace up the boots a little bit tighter. I, I'm going to adjust the uniform and say, 
I'm ready, God. I'm ready. I understand it's not an easy task. I understand I may be pushed to the very inch of my spiritual life. But you know what, God? I'm going to stand with you to the end. I'm like one of those three Hebrew boys. I'll go in the fire, God. I'm with you. I'm with you. Here's what I'm going to do. I have never been, personally, well, I say that, I've been one to one. I won't say I've never been. I've been to one of these. But everybody that's standing, everybody can open your eyes and look up. But everybody that's standing, I want you to make eye contact with me up here. This is no way to shame the people that are sitting by any stretch. But I had a buddy of mine that went into the military. He had to go to Columbia for his, if you will, swearing in and his commissioning and before they sent him off to, to boot camp. My friend Brandon, he's actually right now in the not North Dakota under like pounds of snow. They had an officer or someone superior and they would have those that were presenting themselves for that moment stand before them and they did what is, we would say is a commissioning. You realize they're making this statement and you realize that you're, you raise your right hand, you pledge to God, your country and your oath and all this stuff. You know what I thought about today? I was driving to church this morning. I thought, you know, I'm going to have a spiritual seal commissioning service today. We're going to commission people. So here's what we're going to do. Raise your right hand. Here we are. Here we go. We're going to commission today. If you're standing up today, you're going to be enlisted as a elite, spiritual elite fighting force called a spiritual seal. So here's what you're going to say. Today I present myself to the Lord and only the Lord. I will serve Him. I will defend Him. I will not deny Him. And if, if it need be, I'll die for Him. I will not acquiesce. I will not quit. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. No matter what I face, I'm in the Lord's army. I pledge my devotion, my loyalty, my trust, and my life into the greatest commander of all, to the greatest leader of all, and the greatest militia of all, the army of God. I agree to this wholeheartedly. I'm committed. And I fully, and I fully accept this challenge in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You should give yourself a hand. You are now commissioned to be a seal for God. You are a spiritual seal for the Lord. Everybody stand all over this house and let me pray together. Father, I think today, God, today has been a special day in this place. God, there have been some people today that have commissioned themselves into the greatest elite fighting force and spiritual fighting force. There is the army of God. The people of God have come together and said, as for me and my house, I'm in the Lord's army. I will not waver. I will not deny. I will not acquiesce. Should I even have to die, I will, I will die for the Lord. To be absent from Him is to be present with Him. I will stay true to Him. To the end. Father, for every man, woman, boy, or girl that said that today, I pray, God, that you would honor their commitment to you today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, I mean, before I have the benedictory prayer, two things. Number one, a couple of weeks ago, we found this in the parking lot. Some kind of everybody's gold necklace, chain. I'm not really sure what it is. 
Uh, but if you lost it, please, by all means, come and get it. We have it. Also, today is Mission Sunday, so we'll have the ushers at the back door. Uh, if you want to give anything towards mission, we, we always are helping. We support Israel. We support uh, YWA, uh, which is the Youth uh, with Evangelism Action. We try to help uh, uh, with other countries and water, clean water and things like that. So there will be people at the back to help take anything you want to give. It all goes to missions. We don't keep it. It doesn't stay here. It goes off somewhere. If you want to give to that today, it's a separate offering you can today as well. We will have church tonight at 6 p.m., Bible study at 7 on Wednesday. I do want to make mention of one thing, and I think I left my phone. Ms. Tan, if you'll go to my general slides, there should be one in there. Uh, there are general announcements about the men's uh, breakfast uh, coming up. Uh, it should be under general announcement. Uh, yes. So this Saturday, at 10, thank you so much. This Saturday, you're a good man. That's a military man right there. He, uh, he helps his commander-in-chief. I appreciate that. This Saturday, we're going to have an interest meeting for our men's ministry, M3, Men Mentoring Men. Saturday, I'm going to be real spiritual. We're going to eat makes everybody feel better. Men like to eat more than anything else. So we're going to meet at Little Pappy's. main reason we're eating at Little Pappy's is because Ashley and, uh, and her team and uh, Amy and all their team, they give me coffee. So I'm going there because I get coffee. So uh, we're going to go to Little Pappy's at 8.30 on, on Saturday morning. If you can make it out, it's, it's going to be very informal. We're just going to talk about what we want to see with our men's ministry and what it's going to be like. If you don't know what Little Pappy's is, it's right up there by Hardy's in town in that white building. Uh, and, uh, and you can come join us for breakfast. We're just going to hang out together, share fellowship together. Brother Dennis, Brother Henry, some of those guys, they're on first name basis up there. You know, so we're, we have a good name. So please come and show the love of Jesus to Amy and Ashley because we have a good name at Little Pappy's. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a little great time together. But don't forget that. And there's also calendars in the back at the Connection Center of this month's events and things that are happening and what's going on. Grab a calendar so you know what's happening. And that, that being said, I'm going to ask Brother Mike King to close us out in prayer. Immediately following prayer, you can be dismissed. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you tonight.